Good morning. It's good to see you. I'm glad that you guys are here. Welcome to the Forge Community Church. Uh, if this happens to be your first time, a special welcome to you. We're glad that, that you're here today. I know we have some, some guests that are here today who are going to... Uh, who are here to support and uh, lift up and celebrate those who are going to be baptized in a little while. So you'll hear more about that in just a little bit. Also, hello to those joining us online. We're glad that you are with us as well today. So we are in this series. Uh, we have been talking about, the. we've been looking at the book of Acts, and we have been looking in here and looking at traits that we find of the disciples that are being lived out in the book of Acts. And so uh, we've been walking through this, and today we're actually in our seventh trait. It might feel like the 70th, or maybe just, oh, we just started it. I don't know how where you are on that, but we're in our seventh trait. And today the trait we're looking at is this trait of a disciple being bold, that a disciple is bold. And um, I'm going to review very quickly the traits we've looked at prior to this, like one through six, because I really don't think this is a trait that you can uh, live out without some of the other traits being in place. Because when I talk, and I, I could see myself hearing this too, like when you hear someone say, hey, you should be bold for Jesus, a lot of times we can, we want to like disqualify ourselves or something and be like, I can't be bold for Jesus. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know things very well. I don't understand stuff. I, someone else could do it better. I'm not, you know, all these disqualifiers. And we don't want to do that. Like, it, so I think if we look at the other six traits real quick, we'll see how Boldness is very, very possible as a disciple of Jesus. Now, uh, we did this the first week. Some of y'all, I think, are like, okay, I got the definition, Shannon. But we said, let's make a de definition of a disciple so we all have an, a baseline understanding. And so we said that a disciple of Jesus is someone who listens, and then they learn, and then they act on what they've learned. And when you go back and look at the scriptures, you see how... A disciple, like they spent time with Jesus and they listened to him. And occasionally they learned. Sometimes they forgot what they learned and they had to learn again, which that, doesn't that sound familiar to most of us, right? But they listened, they learned, and then in the book of Acts especially, we start to see them living out what Jesus said and what he said, hey, I'm going to go back to the Father going to send the Holy Spirit who's actually going to help you understand even more and empower you to do these things. So there's this beautiful uh, like development that you see going on in the disciples, and it is continuing all the way up to today in our lives. So this isn't just like a historical look at let's look at those disciples. This is about you and me as well, okay? So here are a couple, here are the first six traits very quickly, um, because like I said, I don't think this trait of boldness happens um, in the way that it should, like, because some of you might be naturally bold, like your personality might be like, I'm just naturally bold and outgoing, and I speak my mind, and I say what I think. This isn't about personality, right? This is about a, a trait of a disciple of Jesus. So first week we said uh, trait, the first trait was that a disciple is someone who's communal. They are part of the body of Christ. They are with other believers. There's not an instance in the scriptures where you find a disciple who is doing everything on their own. Now, they might have been sent to do some things, but they are always like they have a home base. They have the people that poured into them. They have a community. They have a, a place where they are part of the body of Christ. A disciple is communal. So we don't do it on our own. Secondly, 
Most importantly, is a trait of a disciple is that they're biblical. We can be disciples of anything. You name it, you can be a disciple of it. But in this case, we're talking about being a disciple. And it's through God's word that we know who he is. And we understand what he's called us to be. So, again, so we're going to talk about boldness. So a disciple is someone who's biblical. Last, uh, the third trait we said was uh, that a disciple is generous. They're someone who's generous with their lives, their time, their energy, their, their uh, attention, their resources. I mean, just their, their everything. They are generous with it. They're like, okay, I'm a follower of Jesus, so I want my life to be available to be used by him. Okay. Uh, fourth trait we said is the disciples prepared. Uh, that we talked about that it is someone who is prepared to tell the story. Often we think, well, let me tell you my story. But in reality, if you're a follower of Jesus, the story you share, it's his story. You just get to be a part of it, right? But a disciple is someone who's prepared to tell the story of who God is, what he has done through Jesus Christ, how he has come to reconcile us, to bring us back together where we were separated from him by sin. He's brought Jesus. That's the story. And we should be prepared to share that story in, in ways that you just you don't know how they're going to come up, how they might pop up, so that we should be prepared to do that. Then we said a trait of a disciple is someone who is mentored or discipled. We use those words interchangeably, but it's someone who has someone else who is pouring into them, who is teaching them, who is holding them accountable, who is sharing what they're learning. But then also we do the same for others. So it's, it's, a, it's a cycle. It's a, there's a flow of it. It's not just you know, you receive a bunch of information and then you're done, but we mentor. I mean, this, you see this all throughout Scripture is the continuation of what God is doing. And then last week we said that a disciple is missional. Now, when we hear missional, you know, we might think, you know, you go, you go on a trip and you go and serve, and that, that's, of course, that's true. But we went back to what did Jesus say his mission was? What did he say his purpose was? Well, he said that his mission was to... Um, Take blind people and help them to see, and to take captives and to set them free, to free people from bondage, right? To, uh, to proclaim that, that his favor is upon them. This is his mission. That's what he said he came to do. So as a disciple of Jesus, that's what we should be doing. That should be our mission. So all of these connect. If you look at them, they're all interconnected. So today in Acts chapter 8, uh, we're going to see this... Uh, example of what I what I see and we're going to walk through it and look of someone who's who you see all of these traits pop up we see them pop up we're going to see how Philip who is a disciple we're going to see how he's communal we're going to see how he's biblical and he's generous and he's prepared and he's got this mentoring uh, mindset and he's definitely being missional and because of this he is totally prepared to be bold when the time comes. All right, so starting in, act, uh, in verse 26 of Acts 8, this is what we find. Philip, as for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now we might read that and go, okay, cool. All right, I don't know the last time an angel spoke to you and told you what road to go to, but this is pretty amazing. Okay, this is, this is pretty like, Okay, God is doing something. He's setting something up. So Philip is prepared. So he, and so it says, verse 27, he started out. So he went. He didn't think about it. 
He didn't wonder about it. He didn't call his friend and say, hey, do you think I ought to go? Because an angel of the Lord just told me to go. Like, No, he went. He, he goes. And he meets the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority who is under the queen of Ethiopia. Okay? So this person has clout. They have position. Um, it is amazing. I mean, when you stop and think about it, what, and we don't, we don't really know, but like what the ripple effect ends up being after we, we read this story. But this person has, has a lot of authority in the country of Ethiopia, and this is who Philip meets. Um, and it says that he, the eunuch had gone, he had been on his, to Jerusalem to do what? To worship. So he'd gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. I don't know if, if it was easy to buy this stuff or not, but obviously he had the means. He goes to Jerusalem to worship God. He purchases, buys, has the book of Isaiah, and he is reading this. He wants to know. And I just, you know, kind of point this out. Those of you that have heard me share my story, I know this is the same for some of you, but before I ever said yes to God, I was I wanted to know more. There was something within me that was like, I want to know more. Like I see other people, like I hear other people talking, I see their lives. Something is different. They're, they're, they're saying they believe there's Jesus, there's the what forgiveness of sin, like all this information. And so what did I do? I went and bought a Bible. And I started reading it because I wanted to understand. And I, as I read this, every time I read this, I think, I think of like, me because this is exactly what he was doing and I know some of you maybe that's where you are right now or where you've been and it's like I want to know more he he's desiring things of God but he obviously needs some someone to come alongside and help him that's why mentoring and discipleship is so important so he's seated he's seated in his carriage he's reading aloud from the book of Isaiah and now verse 29 the Holy Spirit said to Philip so not only did an angel said, hey, I want you to go to this particular road. But now the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk beside the carriage. Go over there. I mean, specifically. So Philip, what's he doing? He is, he's listening. He's looking. He's listening for God's direction because an angel's told him to go. Now the Holy Spirit has told him to go. Obviously, God is up to something. And the next two verses to me are like mentorship, discipleship 101. I see this as, and this is where we sometimes want to disqualify ourselves, but it seems so simple. Verse 30, so the Holy Spirit has told Philip to go. What does he do? Does he take his time? Does he, no, he runs over. The Holy Spirit said go to that carriage and Philip runs over there. And he hears the man reading from the prophet Isaiah now, because Philip is biblical, he's like, aha, he's reading the prophet Isaiah. I know, I know what he's reading. And Philip asks him, here's the mentoring discipleship 101. This is why it shouldn't be as, as difficult or weird as we make it. He asks a question. Do you understand what you're reading? Hey, do you understand what you're reading? You're, you're reading the Bible. Do you understand it? Do you understand this? And the man replies, this, he says, I love this, he's so honest. I wonder how many of us would be this honest, but he's kind of like, hey, look, I'm, I'm searching. I've gone all the way to Jerusalem. 
I've, I've, I've laid out some, some coins to buy the, the, the book of Isaiah. Like, I want to know more. So he's, he's ready to be honest. And this is his answer when he says, do you know what you're reading? Philip asks him, do you understand it? And he replies, how can I? How can I unless someone instructs me? How can I understand? I mean, it's that honest. It's that real. It's that basic for us to ask people, hey, do you understand? Do you want to understand? And, and here it is. And so the Ethiopian urges, he's like, will you get in here and would you explain it to me? We, Philip, will you come up into this carriage and sit with me? I mean, it, it's right there. And, and here, verse 32, the passage of Scripture that, he, that the Ethiopian had been reading was this. Now, we don't see it, but it's from Isaiah 53. It's from Isaiah 53 that he's reading. Philip knows this because he's biblical, right? And this is the passage it says in verse 32. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. The prophet Isaiah is writing this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And see, and this, again, is like, this is what studying the scriptures is about. This is what being in other people's lives and pouring into them and walking alongside of them is, is so important. Because the eunuch then asks the question. In verse 34, he says, tell me, was, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Like, I know Isaiah wrote the book. It says the book of Isaiah. So I know this is Isaiah. But, like, was he talking about him or who's he talking about? And so, verse 35 Beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. He told him the good news. He tells him the good news. Now, we don't get specifics about, but they're riding along in the carriage. They've read Isaiah 53, and from that scripture, Philip tells this man, he tells him the good news. So what's the good news? Well, that Jesus came to save, that Jesus is Messiah, Jesus is Savior, that there's God and there's us and there's sin all in there and we are disconnected. God can't, he can't be connected with sin. He is a holy God. And we just continue to muck it up, don't we? We just, we just, we try, but we don't. And, and then we do and we mean well and all, but we're just disconnected. And the good news is that Jesus came to reestablish a relationship between us and God the way it was intended to be and that our sins can be forgiven. So riding along in this carriage, this guy who has a longing to know more and who's bought the, the word and is trying to understand it has a disciple of Jesus come along and say, can I help you understand? Let me tell you the good news. Let me tell you about this. He's come to give new life. And obviously in the conversation that they have as he's telling the good news, he mentions that when you believe these things, you can be baptized. Because verse 36 says, as they rode along, so they've been talking, he's been learning about this. As they rode along, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. And I love, I love the, like, the honesty again. He says, why can't I be baptized? 
Like, is there some reason that I, that I couldn't? Why can't I be baptized? And so he orders the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Boldness all throughout this. Boldness. Boldness to, to seek, right? Boldness to, to obey. We see this. We see boldness to share and boldness to ask. So I want to I take a, just a couple of moments and, and look at these a little more uh, deeply. So in this boldness to seek, you know, like I said, some people are driven to Scripture when they want to know more. That was certainly me. This is true today. And so by, by God, God by his spirit is, is ready to speak to people when we seek after them. And so we find this Ethiopian, he's gone to worship, he now has the word, he is seeking after this. He, he didn't find what he was looking for, or he would have already had that moment in Jerusalem. So he's still looking and he's reading and there's a longing. And this is why, as a disciple of Jesus, it's important for us critical, I would say, for us to be biblical and missional, someone who has a mentoring uh, mindset that we're willing to say, hey, do you want me to help you understand? Do you want me to help you? Can I explain? Like, I, I, I'll do what I can, right? That means that they are generous. They're, they're saying, I'll, I'll give you the time. I mean, can you imagine if Philip was like, yeah, angel, sorry, I got other stuff to do. Can't do it today. Like, could you imagine? It's like, well, no, I, I've got a meeting. You know, I, I just, like, he's, he's prepared. And so you see the importance of a disciple to have all of these traits so that when the opportunity to be bold, and this is bold, um, he's prepared, he's ready. So, and now there's also um, this boldness uh, to seek. I was talking about Philip, but let's be reminded that there's this boldness to seek with the Ethiopian. He, he wants to know. And, and, I, and I just, I think about that. I think in my own life about how there were so many times, I don't know if you guys can see, there's this line right here on the stage, but there so many, there were different times in my life where I was just like, hmm, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> oh, I'm going to run way back this way. You know, and then become, oh, a little, maybe something, and then take off again. But at some point, for many of us, and I know a lot of us in here, I know it's true, but at some point we're, we're bold enough to go, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask a little bit more. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open up that Bible that I got for a graduation present and blow all the dust off of it, and I'm going to read it. And I'm going to seek. There's a boldness there. God was working in this man's heart. There's no doubt that, that his grace was just going, hey. Here, hey, I got more for you. Hey, there's promise. Hey, there is something that is great, and, and it will change your life. So he was bold enough to seek. Philip is bold enough to obey. Again, he could have just been like, ah, whatever. But he was bold enough to obey. He was told to go, and he goes. And that's something for us to think about as, as disciples, that, that we're bold enough to obey the promptings of God's Spirit. You know, that when he says, you know, there's not a lot of carriages anymore, so he's not telling us to go up to, but like, hey, go and speak to them. Hey, call them. Hey, send them that text. Write them that card. Hey, reach out to them. Like, when we hear that, we respond to that. In boldness. 
We don't know exactly how the Spirit spoke to Philip, but we know that he did. And, and Philip knew. He knew the voice. He knew what he heard was of God. And, and because of that, a man's life was changed. So there's boldness to, to seek, we find with the Ethiopian. There's boldness to obey, we find with Philip. Now there's a boldness to share that we find with Philip. And so, like, he's biblical. He, he, underst- like, he knows scripture. He knows how to speak to someone and say, let me explain that to you. By the way, Isaiah 53 is um, it's obviously the numbers weren't there when this Ethiopian had it. That's something we added in later so that we could find the scriptures more easily. But Isaiah 53 is the most explicit text prophesying the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's what that man was reading. I mean, don't you love it? I mean, don't you love how God just orchestrated this? And so Philip, it says, verse 35, it says, beginning with that scripture, he told him the good news. So he's biblical, he's missional, he's, he's willing to mentor, he's willing to, to ask the question. So we've got boldness to seek, boldness to obey, we've got boldness now to share, and now a boldness on the Ethiopians' part to ask. As they rode along, verse 36 tells us, they came to some water. And he's like, look, there's water. There's water. Why can't I be baptized? And so he was. And with baptism, what it does is it signifies uh, not, hey, you're perfect, so welcome to the club. <laughs> that club does not exist on this side of heaven. But, but baptism signifies that God is, has washed us clean of that sin where we were separated of that, of, of that life we lived apart from God. It, it cleanses us from our guilt. It cleanses us from our sin. Water, the, the waters of baptism, what it does is it provides this really vivid image for us of his pardon and his forgiveness. Oh, the waters are a beautiful image of the grace of God, which is so evident in this story. God's grace is all over this story setting this up and making it possible. So we have this beautiful, vivid image of pardon and forgiveness and the sacrificial death and resurrection of Jesus going under and coming back to life. And it signifies the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's what baptism does. And, it, and it's through God's Holy Spirit that we get this spiritual birth. It's, it enables us to mature in our faith and and, and the water in that baptismal doesn't magically make that happen. It's a signifier of what God has done. And it signifies our initiation into the body of Christ, the family, the purpose, because we're communal. In, in the second part of verse uh, 13 of 1 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about this. He says, we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. We're called into this oneness. In our Wesleyan tradition, in our Wesleyan doctrine, we, we understand baptism to be it's a sacrament. It is sacred. It is holy. It's something that Jesus instituted. He participated in. With baptism and, and communion, we're drawn into something that you and I, we can see it and touch it, feel it, smell it. I mean, it engages our senses. I mean, it's something we are invited into. 
And so this isn't just something that we participate in because we want to. Or like, hey, I want to do that, right? Or because maybe other people expect us to. That could be a thing. But these are acts that Jesus experienced, and he's invited us into it. He's invited us into this. And Ethiopian, after he hears the good news that Philip explains to him from Isaiah 53, he's like, I'm invited to this. Why can't the invitation's for me, right? Yes, it is. And so as we look at the encounter that Philip and the Ethiopian had, what we find here is boldness. Philip obeyed. He obeyed the Holy Spirit's prompting. And he does so because he's bold. And, and all of those other traits have prepared him for this moment. He didn't have to muster up his own boldness. Right? It wasn't like, oh, well, you're naturally bold, Philip, so good for you. But I'm, I'm not, so I wouldn't be the one to... This is the boldness of the Lord. I'm going to ask the band to come out, uh, come back, and, and we're going to have a time of, of response. Um, and then we're going to prepare to share the sacrament of baptism with uh, three different individuals. We already had uh, two baptisms at 930 this morning. Here's your action step. Every week, we've offered an action step with each trait. And this one's one that, you know, if you do it, you do it. It's not something that everyone's going to see, right? But what I'd ask you to do this week is, is like Philip, would you, be, would you be prayerful? Would you, would you kind of go, okay, God, I, I, I want to hear from you. I want to know when the Holy Spirit tells me to go. I want to know if, a, you know if an angel of the Lord is like, you need to go to this street. Like, I want to hear from you. So the action step is for you to be prayerful enough and, and aware enough that you go, God, I want to hear from your Holy Spirit. I want to hear the promptings. Oh, God, forgive me if you have been like telling me to, to say that or do that or make that call or go there, and I just have not heard it. Or even worse, God, forgive me if I have disobeyed that. And Lord, and this is one of those things that I pray um, sometimes, like if I if I've Later on, as I look back on my day and I feel like I've missed something, I'm like, oh, God, would you give me another opportunity? Would you give me another opportunity with that person? And, God, if, if not, would you, would you allow someone else to come along and obey and do what it is that, that, that you wanted me to do? And, and I failed. So, like, your action step is, God, I want to hear from you. I, I, want, I want to hear. I want to hear by your Holy Spirit how you're prompting me. That's the action step. And then there's another action step that doesn't apply to all of us, but it might apply to some of you. And that is as we talk about this man who understood the truth of who Jesus Christ is and he understood that his sins could be forgiven and he doesn't have to live under that anymore, under that condemnation, that he realized, I want to be baptized like Jesus was baptized. And if, and if that's something that you haven't participated in, something that you haven't stepped into and, and you're kind of hearing, hearing that going, maybe this is for you. We want to... I want to talk to you about that. I, I, we, you know, we want to do that. And the best way for us to do that today um, would be for you to go to theporchcc.com and go to our connection card, and there's a place on there about baptism. And I'll get that, and I will get with you this week. And I'll talk with you about baptism and, and see uh, where we are. I want to share with you the names of those that were baptized earlier and are going to be baptized in just a few moments. The Katie Beth Music and Aubrey Music, Matthew Cribbs, 
Victoria Warwick and Stella Braddy have all said, yes, I want to be baptized. There's some water. Why can't I be baptized? Um, one more thing I want to mention, and then I'll have Justin pray for us as we prepare for baptism, is starting this morning, the Holy Spirit prompted some of our uh, ministry partners to say, we, we want to start a, a prayer ministry to have people available to pray with you after the message, during the response time, after the service. And so starting today, uh, there'll be at least two people, uh, on, one on each side of the stage, standing nearby close, um, that are there. If you want someone to pray with you, um, if you just want someone to pray for you and with you. So that's going to start today. Um, boldness is the trait. And uh, we're about to witness that in just a few moments.